0: Hello, everyone. This is Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of the Frictionless Supply Chain Podcast. I'm the Executive Director of the Reshoring Institute, where we help companies bring back or expand their manufacturing in the U.S. And I'm a contributing writer to Supply Chain Management Review. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to Rebecca Call, a solutions architect and sales engineer at Vargo. Now, Vargo is a software that optimizes warehouse in order for fulfillment operations. And uh, some of the most complex operations in all of supply chain are within a warehouse. Just consider how much complexity there is with the number of products that are in a warehouse, each location, matching up each order, filling each order. Um, these are highly complex systems and Uh, optimization routines that you really don't find very, very many other places in supply chain management. So we're going to talk about that complexity today and how Vargo helps solve solve those problems. So welcome, Rebecca.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: Yeah. So you've been at Vargo for going on eight years. Tell us how you got started in warehousing in order fulfillment. I know you have a really fun story to tell.
1: So I, I grew up in warehouse automation. My dad has designed warehouse automation systems since the mid-70s. And so I literally grew up writing conveyor. Before OSHA is what, what OSHA is, uh, I sat in totes. I wrote around conveyor and always had kind of a, an affinity for that type of technology. My pedigree, I, I graduated in technology management. And I owned my own company that did website automation and found a natural transition into warehousing automation. I'd never been afraid to break the mold. When I was a kid, my dad growing up in this type of industry, I got to see things and wanted to know how they worked. So I had a funny story when I was a teenager, a young teenager. I grew up in a large family. I have four brothers and my dad's always been a car guy. And so one day he was changing the brakes on one of the cars and he asked me to go get one of my brothers and well, he didn't want to come. The next one was at a friend's house. The next one didn't want to come. And finally, I sat, sat there for about an hour and a half over my father's shoulder, watching him change these brakes. Fast forward a couple of months and I bought a car. And so my dad came home from a business trip and found a set of brake pads on the counter. He asked my mom, hey, what are these brake pads? And and her response was Becca changed her brakes. So I'm not afraid of of doing something that somebody says I can't do. I'm not afraid of entering an industry uh, that is dominated by a, a certain gender. And frankly, it's kind of fun going to conventions where the ladies room for once is shorter than the men's room line.
0: Yeah, I I know that feeling too. I was uh one of only three people graduating with a degree in transportation and logistics the, of three women. Uh the rest were all men, another over 100 men and um just three of us women. So I can I can relate to that, but it's and it is kind of fun being in that situation for sure. It sure is. So what a great story. So tell us about Vargo. We know it's warehouse of materials handling
1: software, but what's unique about um, your systems? So Vargo as a company is kind of two-sided. We're a full-service integration company. And as you highlighted, we have our own proprietary own in-house warehouse execution system. We were doing warehouse execution systems before there was the term warehouse execution system. Uh, We've been doing them since 1976 is when we provided our first one that was an automatic storage and retrieval system. Believe it or not, those existed in the mid-70s. So what makes Kofi, that's the name of our warehouse execution system, what makes Kofi different is we have 50 years of learning built into the software. The software is elegant. It is uh, multifaceted, and it's available to optimize in a warehouse from people and from processes. So no technology is scary. No manual contribution is scary. Kofi can do the automation for the entire fulfillment center. We see Kofi as the conductor of an orchestra. And so all of those different parts or pieces, whether they're robots or people or AMRs or automatic storage and retrieval systems or any other piece or equipment, Kofi's the conductor. And so as, uh, as the, the industry evolves and as new technologies emerge, if we need to replace one part of the orchestra, that's easy. Kopi just navigates them in, and if it's a pilot and it's not successful, just as seamlessly navigates them back out.
0: Ah, fantastic. So um, w- warehouse um, um, technology has been evolving for a while uh, because of the complexity, I think, within a warehouse. Um, and I noticed um Uh, So, in addition to um, controlling the warehouse and the handling systems and so forth, I know this Vargo really uh, addresses, and as you mentioned, um, systems integration. So, uh, meaning that software that interacts with other systems. So, it is uh, the Vargo or Kofi system, that's the name of the software, right? Yes. The Kofi system integrates with other business systems. For example, if you have an ERP system such as uh, Oracle or SAP, uh, your uh, Kofi system would integrate with that, and and that is really really important uh, because uh, because uh, you have to understand that the control of inventory is. Um, very very important in um, a company's uh, financial statement. So they need to value the inventory and then report that on their financial statements. So there has to be a true amount, a true number of the inventory that exists someplace, either in the warehouse system or in the ERP system. And that integration between the software means that one or the other of the systems has to date right? So one of them has got to be the the system of record. Um, And so uh, that integration is key. I mean, if you don't have a true picture of your inventory in the warehouse, you can't update your financials appropriately,
1: right? Am I on the right track? Exactly right. So uh, integration into any of those systems, especially where you have multiple technologies in play, making sure that you own and honor a system of record. That inventory of record is paramount. Whether you're dealing with SOX compliance or not, making sure that reality is reflected in system data integrity needs to be maintained. Not just a true up once once a day. A lot of systems out there they'll do a sync, you know, every 24 hours during off time. And oh, oops, somebody forgot to you know yeah. leave the conveyor running or anything else. Kofi as a warehouse execution system is all real time. So every time there is a change in reality, whether a user picks a unit out of a a break case location, whether cartons are sent over to QE for an inspection, the system of record needs to know that, not just for SOX compliance, not just for inventory of record, but also to maintain customer service. We don't want to send a bunch of stock to QE because the vendor told us, hey, the lot was wrong only to then to continue to sell it on the website and therefore have terrible customer service for those particular orders that took advantage of inventory that really wasn't available.
0: Yeah, I guess real-time inventory also would would make a difference when you're filling orders. You wanna know, is the inventory there so you can fill the orders or, and that real-time update helps you make a clear picture, right? Uh,
1: Yes, that's right. And additionally, In addition to the inventory management, you also need to know all of the resource management. So all of those different parts or pieces that are on the warehouse floor, whether they're human parts or pieces or whether they're actually automatic storage. Hopefully not human pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, whether those are human, you need to know how those individuals are contributing to the production value. So Kopi also communicates in addition to all of the inventory management systems, we'll, we'll communicate also with labor management systems to report on Rosemary's having a great day. She beat engineering standard by 120% and it's real time. It's not, you wait until the oh. end of the week and run the staffing report. It's all in real time. Okay, that's terrific.
0: I, I worked at a couple of warehouses um, in my past, and uh, once or twice there was a, a, a peak period or an emergency or something, and all the management staff went out into the warehouse, and we helped pick orders and assemble orders. And uh, so, funny story for me, one time the warehouse man, a supervisor there uh, put his arm around me, and he said, we don't want you to do any more picking <laughs> apparently I'd made too many mistakes. And so, yeah, it's not as easy as it looks either. Um, I think, you know, it isn't a matter of just picking something off a shelf. You have to look at location and knowing bin size and it's, it's complicated in a way that you wouldn't expect in a warehouse. I think uh, people just don't appreciate how difficult it is to, to run a warehouse really difficult. And so the software solving those problems is a great idea. I think it's just terrific. Um, so tell a little bit, you know, explain a little bit more about warehouse execution system and how it optimizes processes and flows and resources. So it's a little bit different
1: in that it controls the resources as well, right? That's correct. So a a lot of systems out there, what they choose to do, what they try to do is they try try to optimize pieces of a flow. And so as you're looking at, and as you purchase a particular product from a particular vendor, they'll give you an engineering standard and say, hey, it should produce X given Y parameters. What Kofi does is Kofi takes the sum of the whole. And sometimes that means not optimizing one component because that would actually degrade the overall production of the warehouse. And so Kofi's job is to manage those people and to manage the flow to make sure the sum of the whole, the production of the entire system gets out the door. It would be a terrible, terrible uh, story if a company invested and all of the units were replenished, all of the units were picked, all of the units were matched, and then you failed to ship them because you don't cash the check until you ship the products. So you did all of this effort for none of the gain. So Kofi's, Kofi's goal is to make sure that everything is optimized and you realize the game. Oh, that's that's interesting. So I think that's
0: different from the old warehouse management systems that didn't take into consideration the the resources, the human resources, for example. Uh, so optimizing all of that is, is once again, a really difficult process. I don't know. If uh, any of our listeners uh, went through optimization routines in college or grad school, I did, and I can remember how difficult it is to write those programs. Really, really difficult when you have lots and lots of variables. So that's that's pretty spectacular. Do the are the employees that work within the system then? Do they have require different skills or are they different kind of employees? Can you can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, the nice thing about the warehouse is it pretty much has a job for everyone doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your education pedigree looks like. There are jobs from robotics experts to pickers who can onboard in 15 minutes. So it doesn't really matter where your skill set lies. I tell people all the time when I'm old and gray, I'm not going to be a greeter at Walmart. I'm going to work at a football (laughs) because footballs (laughs) are fun. You get to play essentially tic-tac-toe against yourself all day long. It's just following a light. And by the way, my engineering standard is about 515 an hour. So I hold to okay. that. <laughs> but the nice thing about the, the automation space, that warehousing space, is if you have management skills, we can use them. If you have optimization skills, we can use them. If you just want to make sure you hit your 10,000 steps a day, we can use For you. Sure. There, there is no lack of need within a warehousing space. For the talent that anyone can provide.
0: So the system
1: sort of guides the resources into what to do next, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and the nice thing is, is uh, if if a system is tuned properly, and Kofi excels at that particular that particular vice. But if a system is tuned properly, every time you conduct, every time you complete an action, you're rewarded. You get another action to do. So the system will pull you along just as fast as you're willing to work, which is good for the person, but it's also good for, for the business.
0: Sure. A lot of a lot of uh, productivity improvements because of that. Absolutely. Uh,
1: you,
0: you know, one of the things in a warehouse that, especially the big warehouses that um, uh, are picking a lot of small items for, for mixed orders,
1: uh, is a pick-to-light system. Do you see that very often in a warehouse? We see pick-to-light quite a bit. Uh, where we're seeing kind of a dichotomy between pick-to-light solutions and goods-to-person solutions in an area where labor is available, pick-to-light is usually the choice. There's a little bit higher operational expense than there is capital expense in a pick-to-light solution. The the alternative to that is a goods-to-person. That one requires more capital expenditure and less operational expenditure. Both of them are good solutions. Ultimately, the organization needs to choose what you're solving for. If you're solving for getting throughput, if you're solving for orders out the door, you can do it in either. You can do it in either solution. We have some non-automated, so essentially put walls only. That's the limit of their automation. And they can do 250,000 units in a peak day. Wow. So they're not limited. We're not talking automation has to happen if you have 50,000 units out the door. The right solution meets the right needs. And if you understand what business problem you're trying to solve for, then Bargo can help you get to the right solution.
0: Oh, okay, and the systems engineer, of course, works with the customer to understand that uh, that problem and how to bo- best apply this the software. So th- there's probably listeners that don't know what pick to light means. Um, Can you describe it a little bit? I think it's fascinating
1: to watch for sure when you're in a warehouse. Can you talk a little bit about pick-to-light? Sure. So there's pick-to-light solutions and put-to-light solutions, but the concepts are somewhat interchangeable. In a pick-to-light solution, you're you're given what we call a donor container. That container comes to you by way of some either conveyance or an ASRS system or to a goods-to-person station. You are then directed, usually by visual cues to, um, we call it decant, to take the units out of that donor tote. And then by way of light, you're directed into where to put them. Usually this is you're picking into outbound containers for a customer. And so if you have a tote that presents and it says, hey, pick 12 of these lipsticks, then you could pick 12 lipsticks out of that donor tote and then put them to 12 different, what we call target totes, which are 12 different customer orders, or somebody could really like that color. And you put six to one particular outbound carton and then six singles into other containers. The lights help you do your job faster. They don't require reading, especially if you use some of the engineering standards that we have in the industry to speed someone along. The human brain recognizes color very, very quickly. And so it's a way to get that outbound order processing done without a lot of capital expenditure. You're not dealing with an RF device that can run $2,500, $3,000 per person. You're dealing with a light setup that's interchangeable.
0: Yeah, so I've seen these big banks. I've worked in a warehouse for a distribution center for drugstores, a chain of drugstores. And they were picking like, you know, you know, one package of band-aids and a, a lipstick, like you said, and, you know, a variety of small items. So when the picker took that bin, the lights would then click on where what they were picking. So it would say, you know, second rack, you know, third from the top, the light would go on and they knew they had to pick something from that location. And mm-hmm. then as soon as they did that, the next location would light up. So it's very fast and visual, as you said, also, so that um warehouse workers aren't hunting around for stuff right so they're not wasting time looking at shelf labels or that sort of thing it it the system actually directs you to what to pick yeah. it's it's really fascinating if if um any of the listeners ever have a chance to see a pick to light system you should watch it for a while it's really fascinating to do so uh, so, Rebecca, how has order fulfillment changed over the past few years, especially with the introduction of lots of online ordering since the early 2000s? How's warehouse management changed in order fulfillment?
1: Well, it, it's a fantastic time to be in the industry or to join the industry. So in the early 2000s, as you know, we had the e the the dot-com boom. Everyone now, there was this internet and everybody could order from the comfort of their home, whatever they wanted. Uh, Over the last 10 years, we've seen the Amazon phenomenon where not only could you order online, but that 10 to 14 day processing time that was the expectation in early 2000s is now the one to two day expectation, if not even the same day. And so that Amazon phenomenon was a game changer. And then we had covid and you didn't have the choice to go to a store. A lot of those stores were closed. And so even those people who had fought against and had not been comfortable ordering online now got introduced to an entirely new reality. So how that affected warehouse management for those customers who had already invested in the capital to get their market fulfillment strategy implemented, then they they were set up incredibly well for COVID because they already had the infrastructure, they had warehousing facilities across the United States and across the world that could fulfill for those individual markets. For others that were a little bit behind the game, now their customer expectation changed a bit. Where they're competing now with Amazon at a two-day delivery, maybe they only have fulfillment centers on the West Coast. If they have East Coast customers who order, either they're spending a lot of money on escalation of freight so that they're upgrading their customer shipments to a next day or a second day shipment, Or their customer expectation is, I can order this from Amazon and get it here today or tomorrow, or I can order from a different manufacturer, different vendor, and it'll take a week to get to me. And so it's kind of a game changer. When we look at how COVID uh, affected us day to day, well, now our timelines are shorter our profits need to be paramount because we're competing, it's reality. We're all competing with Amazon and it doesn't matter if it's us here at Vargo or, or anyone else, we're all competing with Amazon because of the way that they've strategized their network. The nice thing is, is we don't have any barriers on our side. If we wanna put in systems, if we wanna put in new markets, we can do that and of course Bargo can help.
0: That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. COVID changed all of our lives, didn't it? Yes, it, for sure. It did. So, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> I uh, got to turn my phone off. <laughs> okay. So, um, there are lots of women listening to this supply chain professionals or supply chain professional women that are out there listening to this podcast. And um, what advice and career advice do you have for women that are pursuing their careers in supply chain management? Uh, I think, you know, any piece of advice is helpful, especially for women that are climbing the corporate
1: ladder and uh, uh, what can you offer in the way of advice? So the very first thing is don't be afraid to break the mold. We're in an industry that that is a little antiquated as far as the distribution of men to women. And that shouldn't be scary for anyone. It shouldn't discourage anyone. What that means is there are opportunities for us to be hurt. There are opportunities for us to provide a different perspective. I was in a meeting one day, one of our customers is, is a worldwide known beauty company. And someone said, well, wait a second, I don't understand. One of the executives said, I don't understand. This company has a built-out network of storefronts that are their own buildings. Why would they look for a partnership with a Target, with a a Walmart, with someone else? And one of the women in the room said, the person who shops at Target is not the same person who walks in and has a dedicated beauty store visit. One of them has kids, and they're only there because they have to be at Target anyway, the other has time. She can peel away from kids or she doesn't have any or, or whatever, and she can go to a beauty store. But those are two different audiences. And the men in the room all went, okay, never even thought about that. I just thought their network was covered. It didn't make any sense. Our perspective matters. It matters to what we sell. It matters to what we process. It matters to what we build. And so if we stayed quiet, if we stayed out of the game, the entire industry would be worse off for that. So I encourage everyone, be vocal. Don't be afraid to uh, provide your perspective, because ultimately, we'll make better decisions together.
0: That's fantastic advice. Perfect. Um, I think, you know, women need to speak up more and uh, make sure that they're part of the team and an equal member when decisions are being made. So that's great, great advice. Um, any other closing thoughts, Rebecca? Anything else about Fargo you'd like to tell us or um, anything that you can see in the future
1: coming? Uh, again, it's an amazing time to be in the industry. There are so many new technologies coming out. We need smart, competent uh passionate people in the industry. We need that voice of breaking the mold. We need the voice of being able to challenge the status quo. So if you've been thinking about a career in supply chain, if you've been thinking about a jump to a more engineering or strategic or math or or that type of oriented position, we need you here. We want your voice at the table.
0: Ah, terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Rebecca. It was so interesting to talk to you. Can you give us your contact information to listeners who want to learn more about
1: Vargo uh, or get in touch with you? Certainly. Our website is vargosolutions.com. Feel free to contact me directly. My email address is r, for Rebecca, call, C-A-L-L, at vargomail.com. Vargomail.com? That's correct. And again, if you have any questions, if you want to reach out and say hello, I'd be more than happy to talk with you. You could also look me up on LinkedIn and and connect with me there.
0: All right. Terrific. And you can listen to more frictionless supply chain podcasts posted on Supply Chain Management Reviews landing page, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at rcoates.com at reshoringinstitute.org, and visit our website, www.reshoringinstitute.org, where we publish all of our research on manufacturing in America. Have a great day, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Rosemary.